everybody, and welcome to the KNL podcast. My name is Kaina Jahanzik, and today we will be discussing um, topics around special needs. I feel like when we enter this field, we don't know how to deal with children that have special needs. Now, this could be because of many reasons um, lack of resources, um, lack of training in the field. And more. There are a lot of more reasons. My quest, my concern here today is that how do we approach those children? Throughout four years of my education in the field of ECE, I still feel like I do not know how to sometimes approach children or parents uh, that are dealing with uh, special needs. So today we have Julie Mahiro, who is a registered RECE. Thank you, Julie, for joining me today. Hi. So, do you think that you have received enough training or was your education well informative towards the topic of special needs, like in general? No, I don't believe we received enough training based on our four years of degree in relation to working with young children. Based on my program, which was Early Childhood Leadership Program, but we were only given one course mm-hmm. in relation to working with children with exceptionalities. And having that one course in the four years is not enough at all. I believe we need more training on how to effectively support all types of exceptionalities and not just one. Mm-hmm. And, that, and obviously that all cannot be covered in one course itself. And as I have a personal experience having a younger sister with the conjugal delay yeah i gained so much patience and responsibility which i can use towards the future as an educator towards children who might also have it but what about the educators who don't have that experience at all and we're just given one course just brief knowledge mm-hmm. of just a few sectionalities because we weren't just told like all of them we weren't just given all the information. Mm-hmm. No, now that I think of it, like I do agree with you. That course was called uh, Inclusion in Early Learning. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I, re- I, correct, uh, I remember that now. Yeah, it's definitely um, astonishing to me as an educator that when I entered the field, that, like... When I entered the field as a first placement student and I saw children with special needs um, and I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, they taught us many things, but they didn't tell us how to deal with children. That shouldn't have been done in the fourth or towards the end of the year. That should have been done in the first semester. I feel like that should have been the first topic, you know? I know we need to know the basics of childcare and all of that, but... People need to understand that this is not 10, 15, 20 years ago where children were not diagnosed with mental health disorders. Right now, we live in an era where more and more children are diagnosed with that and every child is going through something. Every family is going through something. So I feel like we need to be more knowledgeable about this. So I uh, definitely more even workshops, if they cannot provide classes, I feel like we need workshops. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. Especially for students who didn't 
Yeah. It's difficult. Because placement comes before that course. Exactly. So, so that is... having no knowledge at all and going into the field and might be experiencing that. Yeah. What, what are they going to do? It's like going to a job and applying for it and telling them, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but hire yeah. me anyway. <laughs> it's truly disturbing anyways. So moving on, Julie, thank you for um, cooperating on that. Um, what do you, uh, so what needs to be done in order for ECEs to be well-knowledge and especially be comfortable while dealing with children with special needs? Well, as I said, I had experience, which really helped me personally gain enough skills to support them. Mm-hmm. So providing more classes that can support children or support the students and supporting children with exceptionalities, especially like how to support them through technology and how to provide them a positive environment mm-hmm. and how to effectively do transitions with them. Mm-hmm. that can really help us yeah i think i would love more training on transitions even though i worked in the daycare that i've been at for two years i'm comfortable with talking with children talking with parents talking with my fellow ece's but sometimes i feel even a bit stuck when i have to initiate large group because I'm not a full-time worker, you know, so I don't know these small basic things. So if I don't know sometimes to start a, a large group activity, imagine how I am towards transitioning with a child who was diagnosed with autism and transitions for him was just, <laughs> it was chaotic. Like for us, it was overwhelming, but in his mind, as we learn in human development, that's how his neural networks were set up he doesn't know the difference right now all all he recognizes is hyperactivity because that's what the his brain is telling him to do so i think that we need more awareness and training and workshops on stuff like that on how to even respond to a facial expression like we don't at least i don't know a lot I don't know about everybody else. Yeah, and we can't just blame them for for their attention span and stuff. Yeah, we have yeah. to understand where they're coming from and understand their biology behind it. Thank you, Julie. And moving on, I was actually on the um, website of Government of Canada, and I found uh, and see what they were currently doing. Have they updated what they were doing before, or have they changed what they were doing? And I found that they have um, what it's called the Development Surveillance Initiative. Now, I will read the paragraph to you and we can discuss what it is after. So it's a tool and it's designed to help parents identify concerns for their children's development in a range of developmental domains. For example, um, expressive receptive language, gross and fine motor skills, learning, understanding, behavioral and emotional regulations, adaptive functioning, and overall development. The early years check-in is not a diagnostic tool, so it's it's not a diagnostic tool. It's just like a 
checklist, I would say then. This tool is provided online and looks like a learning module. Now, my question to you is, what are your thoughts on having a tool like this? Do you think we need more tools or learning modules or do should we work towards solving the problem rather than providing more and more information because I feel like parents can easily google special needs autism ADHD or yeah. find the proper information through scho- uh, scholarly articles so why do we need another checklist yeah, so this tool does sound more like a developmental checklist to mm-hmm. see where the child is at. Yeah. It could help in acknowledging ex- exceptionalities, but we educators are not supposed to observe and state if the child ha- does have special needs or not. Mm-hmm. We can use this to see if child is lacking any domain and support the child through engagement with the parent so mm-hmm. that the child is receiving more support at home and as well in the child care centers. Mm-hmm. In terms of we do see major weaknesses we would just encourage families to take their children to the doctor and that is the doctor's part to Mm -hmm. acknowledge any health issues but it is a good question so we can build on this and maybe there can be a change especially for the wait list as this is a major issue in many child care centers and having children with special needs on that wait list waiting for probably like how many years more probably like one more year Mm -hmm. for the support and care that they need is horrible yeah so maybe putting the children first on the on the list is a step to reducing the health problems and the issues in the community Mm -hmm. so i honestly i would love to share something with you um i've been dealing with depression for quite a long time and I think it's obvious that I've been seeing a psychiatrist and recently I because of a lot of school work and excessive stress load I forgot a doctor's appointment now it's it went up to a year so I didn't see him in a year if you if I didn't see my psychiatrist in a year I lose my referral and I cannot book another appointment, even though I've been seeing him for like over 10 years. It's absolutely, I think, disgusting for something like that to happen. I, I hear to... the same exact experience from parents as well. Exactly. I had to go back to my family doctor to tell him that, hi, I need this referral again because I just missed one appointment, even though they know me. So if something like this can happen to me and as as an adult imagine what can happen to children they're just little tiny little beings and from what i'm hearing in the news i'm pretty sure you must have heard it doug ford's cut on towards children who have autism it's absolutely sad why would you want to cut money for children with special needs but have enough money to ensure that lcbo has um um beer um um, sorry they're trying to open uh trying to sell beer in um grocery stores now why would you want to make sure that is implemented but not money for children yeah it's 
it's hard. It's I know it's hard <laughs> to be an educator in this field, but it's we love it and we hate it sometimes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julie, for conversating with me on this topic. I am so thankful that you took your time out and discussed this with me. Thank you once again, and we hope to have you some time, some other time on our show. Yes, my pleasure, and I hope there is more awareness of this issue, and the government will take action for this, as we can't do it anything about this, right? It's yeah. the government. Yeah. And the laws, yeah. The laws need to change, and the policies. That's right. Thank you, Julie. I will let you go now. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.